Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown... We had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about battle of the treks. We talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of, we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yeah. Uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete. Um, gym owner and all around nice guy um, yeah and there's there's so much good information and good content there that and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah. can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing so yeah this is a great format you can do it on the go put it in your car listen to it it's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Good to go. Right. Yeah, so hey, guys, it's uh, Andy here, and uh, Dave, um, another episode of Tuesday Tune In. I always start with no episode. It's because it's like the Mountain Malarkey, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, another episode of Tuesday Tune In. Uh, this week is is all around um, waterproofs. Um, we decided to, you know, last week we did down jackets. Uh, we've also done, you know, sleeping bags, um, you know, different day packs. Um, you know, we've done a whole host of things and we were like, we haven't really touched on waterproofs. And yeah, kind of um, feels a bit left out, I think, the waterproofs. I was thinking, oh, obviously, I know it's summer now, but yeah. Uh, but some, mate, it's summer in Wales. <laughs> still it, rain. It's Wales still, you know. So it's it was raining all day, was it? No, yes, all about the last four days. Yeah, it's still so, um, yeah. Yeah, hey guys, that's uh, Shane and Dave. Um join us. If you are joining us, just just say hello and uh, give us a little thumbs up as well. Just um let us know you're you're all here. Um and as like as before, although we're here talking um, you know, about waterproof jackets, um, any question, just post them in the comments. Yeah, um, I'm sure Yeti is back today, so she's on the uh, on the live as well. So she'll be uh, yeah the questions, sending them over. We can also uh, we've now worked out a way to see and comment on uh, using our stream. So yeah, we now have Lauren on the post. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, hey Mick, how's it going, mate? It is raining. I know, I know. Well, it's you know, it's actually not too bad. We live, I live just outside of Cardiff. I know you're in the office, aren't you, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty pretty sunny today. It's nice. Yeah, to be honest, well, Heather says it's hammering down in Brecon. Um, oh. Yes, I don't know if you can really see here, but uh, outside the office is um, beautiful blue skies. It is relatively nice, isn't it? I know. Um, so, um, but yeah, loads of people joining us now. Great to see. Um, great to see you all on. Uh, run through. You got Tony, Heather, Mark, Pablo, Ian, Kate. Good old Kate uh, Ramsey. Ramsey, the Ramsonator. <laughs> How's it going, Kate? Yeah, Alan, Mark. Sinead, Gavin, Asher, um, yeah, any questions, guys? I know um, there's some people who join us all the time here. Dave Rimington looks like he has Dave, prepared. He's you prepared. had that. You had that written out already, <laughs> didn't you, Dave? You just copied and pasted it in. 
Lauren, I'm pretty sure, will um, grab it and send it to us so we uh, we don't yeah. lose it in the comments. No, no, we'll we'll make sure. Uh, but right, yeah, waterproofs. We'll start with waterproofs then. Um, reason we we discussed it previously this last couple of days was, you know, even though you go to high altitude and you know it is cold, you, you kind of you expect that you're so high that it won't rain. It's actually going to if there's any precipitation, it'll turn to snow. But you know, we we kind of learn um, the hard way a little bit. I know. I'm trying to be <laughs> um, uh, but we've learned the hard way, I suppose. You know, especially on the Everest Base Camp trek at some times of the year, maybe sort of early September, October, sometimes in March and April. Yeah, we get some rain lower down, like Lukla, Namche. Um, you know, the first couple of days where we've been caught out. Um, also on Kilimanjaro, because you're hiking through um some of the forest parts and you're still relatively you know at below four thousand meters yeah if, if there is any precipitation dave yeah uh, it will rain so yeah you uh it's important to have a good decent jacket yeah exactly um, dave i think we'll start with types of jackets i know you're you're big on on a, a couple of different yeah well again i've gone through quite a lot of like gore-tex jackets wind stoppers all that type of thing because yeah. i like them to be breathable because i run so hot there's no point in me avoiding the precipitation just to dive straight into the perspiration. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I find that if you get, like, it's all about breathability. Now, the one drawback, if we're talking about Gore-Tex waterproof jackets, yeah, they are expensive. There's no way of getting around it. The better ones are even more expensive. Um, so, but there are, there, there can, you can find a good middle ground. So a lot of them, it has to do with how, basically how much water they can keep from penetrating the jacket and how breathable they are at the same time. If yeah. you want the best of those worlds, which trust me, you do, um, you know, you can expect to pay, I mean, some uh, jackets are like 600 quid, you know. Yeah, you yeah, they're quite expensive, aren't they? Any like Gore-Tex Pro jacket, you're going to at least be looking at sort of 350, something like that. Um, although you can get some good deals. Um, so I've generally got three jackets that I'll use if it's raining. Well, two and something else. The first one I got is a Gore-Tex jacket. Um, actually, no, I've got I've got four jackets. Um, so the first one is uh, I've got a, um, a Pro. It's a Montane Gore-Tex Pro jacket. Yeah. Um, it's really good, really breathable. Um, the color's terrible, but that's what you've got to do if you want a deal. Um, the next one that I've got is the Rab uh, Firewall, yeah, which firewall. I actually think sits right in the middle and is a jacket I highly recommend. Yeah, um, because it's not hugely expensive. Um, oh, Andy's got Didn't one. You see that, Dave? Look at this. Yeah. Oh. Now, what, firewall, by the way. exactly. So that's the jacket that me and Andy have. What I love about that jacket is it doesn't cost a fortune. If yeah. you keep it, look. If you look after it and keep it proofed, it is very waterproof. And they've just put zips that go from your wrist to your armpit. Oh, they are so good. You they're know, so, so yeah, yeah. Um, it basically means that the breathability, rather than being in the actual fabric, is in vents and things like that. So it's a really yeah. good middle grade. Um, the other jacket that I've got is a Paramo. Um, Paramo is an interesting one. I don't know if any of you have heard about Paramo. But um, it's a completely different material to Gore-Tex. So most yeah. Paramo jackets feel like really soft um, almost like a thick sort of shell they feel like yeah and when you see them they don't look waterproof and when you feel them they don't feel waterproof yeah, they're quite sort of light aren't they they they're yeah. but they are brilliant um, really breathable the only downside is they're they are expensive as well but if yeah, you think i think one of the other be benefits is that they're more comfortable they're more breathable yeah. and 
biggest benefit, the reason I love the Paramount, is it's quiet. You know that loud yeah, yeah, you're right. Hex. Yeah, you're right, because this is like, when you walk, yeah. you hear that, don't you? Exactly, and it's, it makes a big difference if you've got the hood up. So um, when we were on Kilimanjaro in February, I used the RAB firewall just as like a wind stopper. Yeah. Um, and I had the hood up. Now, with the wind and the hood up, I was deaf by the time I got to the summit. With <laughs> the Paramo, you don't have so much of a problem. And yeah. um, the other one that I use is a rain poncho. You see these a lot on Kilimanjaro. Because Kili is very much like it'll rain, then it won't, then it'll rain, then it won't, then it'll rain, then it won't. Then you need to, rather than like, putting your jacket on and off you can yeah. just have this really lightweight plastic poncho um i've got a couple of the like two pound 50 disposable ones then they're good they're good they'll help you but spend like 15 20 quid on one that you can reuse um it goes over your head your shoulders your back it's like if you've ever seen that episode where homer simpson wears like a muumu <laughs> that's kind of what you look like <laughs> is that analogy of the week i don't know yeah that's where we are but also um paramo <laughs> really big on paramo it's the only difference yeah. is when you recommend them to people you need to you know you're going to be spending 300 400 pounds on a jacket yeah. 100 150 pounds on a pair of trousers um but they are really good yeah definitely wax technology so that stuff you reproof your jackets with anyway is the technology that goes into it so yeah really good nice yeah there's heaps of questions coming in now i know uh lauren's sort of making sure that we catch these so i'm just reading them here um, yeah, so with the jacket said, Dave, yeah, you're talking right, you've got Gore-Tex Pro, you've got the Paramo, the two big ones, you've also got Gore-Tex as well. Um, personally, yeah, I've, I've only ever used Gore-Tex. I know Dave's trying to get me to use Paramo. I know it, it is really good stuff. One of our good friends, uh, Steve in North Wales, who runs um, uh, Aim Higher, he, he swears by Paramo, absolutely uses it all the time. We've seen him um, use his jackets. Uh, I know, um, I think James... Uh, used it as well by looks of it he's uh he said moving to paramo is the best move you made I'll, i might have to try it dave maybe i'll try your yeah, jacket honestly it is really good um yeah like i said the when I, I before i knew anything about paramo when i first saw the jacket it was in like a store and i just looked at it and it was there with like the other jackets you know like the famous yeah. you see ones you see a lot of for instance you'll see a lot of like berghaus you'll see the lotsi um no the mountain equipment lotsi which is supposed to be quite a good jacket yeah tom, um, tom mentioned that actually he's put what are your thoughts on that jacket and i, I yeah. love that it's brilliant yeah it's a really good jacket yes yeah, good jacket is yeah, um, yeah you see a lot of that you'll see a lot of that one um yeah. and then you have this paramo and then i was feeling it and i was like this doesn't i, I don't know what's going on but yeah. it's 400 quid so i wasn't willing to you know, make uh, make the stump. And it was actually Steve when we did our mountain drain and he was head to toe in Paramo and was telling me a little bit about it and the technology. And yeah. ever since then, I, I have been a convert. Um, so, yeah, it, it is, is, um, is good. Um, um, uh, great questions coming. I can't, I'm going to have to dive into Dave Remington's questions. I know, I know. I was thinking that. He's, he's, gone, he's gone ahead and created some good ones there. But yeah, they're... Uh, yeah. Not good for Dave. Yeah, no, because they're, st they're staring me in the face at the moment and there's loads coming in. So let's crack on. Mountain kit sold in Kathmandu worth it? Or, uh, knock or knock off kit? Well, they do both. So in Tamil, which is where you'll be staying, um, there is three things. There are souvenir shops, trekking shops, and massage parlors. Yeah. Almost exclusively. So um, in the trekking shops, there's loads of stuff there. A lot of it can be, you know, North Face Chinese edition, um, you know, knockoff stuff. But then they also have a North Face shop, maintenance equipment shop. Yeah, they have some real uh, ones, don't they? Yeah. 
yeah, outdoor research shop. Um, there's a make called Black Yak, Katmandu. These are all really, really good makes. Um, the only difference is it's, it might be a little bit cheaper, but probably not. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other ones, you can definitely get some really good stuff there. So, like, if you're interested in water bottles, trekking poles, sunglasses, loads of different buffs, you know, the, you know, caps, all that sort of stuff, you can get yeah. in Kathmandu for really cheap. I've bought quite a lot of that gear. Um, well, you can, can't you? It's pretty much everything. I mean, if you turned up without anything, you could, you could get it if you needed to. So yeah, uh, there's everything there, Dave. Um, you know, if you know, if there's anything you forget, uh, obviously you've got the, the the simple stuff. But yeah, it's you know, there's, there's varying levels of quality out there. Um, you know, but if you obviously want to use our stuff, the jackets and the sleeping bags, um, yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. So okay, uh, okay, we're going off a little bit, but we'll get, we'll carry on. Illness, injury, what support communications do we get people yep. off the mountain? Basically, we can get you off the mountain at any point during the trek. Um, yep. The extreme weather might cause a little bit of an issue with getting a helicopter to you, but it all depends on the seriousness of the situation. So, you know, worst case scenario, they put you on a stretcher and carry you down, you know, yeah. but that's never happened. Um, almost always we're able to get you down. So all the guides have um, local phones that work throughout the entire region of the mountain. That's a simulation. Um, and they'll always be able to call the guys in Kathmandu call myself or Andy or anyone back here in the UK and do all the communication. So, you know, if you need a helicopter, we'll get you a helicopter. Um, you know, if you need to go down, we'll get you down. It's, it's as simple as that, you know, mm. your health and your sort of safety is paramount. You know, it's more important for you to uh, come back healthy than get to base camp and be really sick. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, they, they all carry uh, high altitude first aid kits as well. So, yeah. um, you know, they, and they're all high altitude first aid trained. Yeah. So, you know, these, these, these people are vastly experienced. I mean, you're talking, some of them have been doing it for over 20 years. Um, you know, they've guided to, to Everest Base Camp, you know, four or 500 times, you know, they're very, very experienced, um, you know, with regards to looking after you. So, yeah, there's things in place. Like Dave said, you've got the helicopters, you've in some instances, if, if the weather's so bad and you can't get anything, you can get a stretcher. Or sometimes they actually put you on a horse. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's a few other trekkers, um, well, a couple who, who maybe had some dodgy ankle or dodgy knee and they've had to get a, um, a horse down. Yeah. Um, you know, we we saw a guy, didn't we? It was it last April? And, and, and he rode a horse pretty much, I'd say, three quarters of the way up. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah. He wasn't injured. He was just. No lazy <laughs> but, um, yeah. so is it easy to get a bowl of hot water for a strip wash or a hot flask uh relatively um i'll be honest with you you're not going to want to do it on every location because it gets yeah. colder by the time you arrive in the evenings you the last thing you're going to want is be able to like strip off so wet wipes do a really good job yeah. um if you need a hot flask or something like that yeah we provide like a, a flask full of like hot water or hot tea and all you've got to do is ask the guides um, and they can usually sort that out for you at all the lodges. So hot water, yes, a wash and everything like that, um, like a bowl wash potentially. But I'll be honest with you, you're probably just going to want to use wet wipes. It's a lot easier, quicker, faster. Um, yeah. yeah, and there's, you know, that's generally what is happens on the hill. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, I wouldn't wouldn't bank on it. And it's and sometimes if because um, they do most of them run off gas, don't they? But if there's uh, some of them do have solar heaters, but again, it depends on the weather. Exactly. Um, you know, it's always good to think basic um you know and plan basic if you get anything extra like like some hot water that's a bonus yeah exactly um, you know so i plan to to 
to almost plan to use the wet wipes the whole way. Yeah. And then when you get back to Kathmandu and you have that first shower, it, it's it's the best feeling in the exactly, world. Exactly. Yeah. I usually have a little stuff sack as well, so I'll just put all my dirty wet wipes in there. Yeah. It becomes the bag of doom. And then going <laughs> off the hill, I'll you don't open that bag. Yeah, exactly. When it goes off the hill, I'll empty it into some sort of recycling bin. Um, has anyone used those sport oxygen canisters to help with altitude sickness or recovery? Um, not that I'm aware of. So when it comes to like oxygen canisters, you don't really need them for Everest Base Camp. The idea is that we acclimatize you without the use of oxygen, because if you need oxygen to get to Everest Base Camp, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you need to probably not, yeah. Yeah, not go up, turn around, go back down. So the only time you'll see oxygen being used on an Everest Base Camp trip is in a an emergency situation yeah. where someone's either injured themselves or they've been struck down with quite severe altitude sickness and then will be on oxygen until the helicopter arrives. There's only one cure for anything altitude related. Um, that's descent, descent, descent. So then... There's, you know, if you need an oxygen canister, then your trip is over. Yeah, um, you know, so, but it's that's killing as well. Isn't it? Yeah, but that's a good thing. Also, yeah. some places in the Kumbu and stuff like that will offer oxygen canisters, but it's like, I don't know, five hundred dollars an hour it's or something. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's for I don't know who it's really aimed at. Because, like yeah. I said, if if I saw one of our guys on the hill using an oxygen canister. One, it's very bad for you to use because once you start on oxygen, you can't really come off it because yeah. it has the effect of suddenly lowering the oxygen rate in your body quite suddenly. So you start on oxygen whilst you wait for the helicopter to take you back down. Yeah. So you don't need it. Um, yeah, so forget oxygen. You don't need it. Uh, average pace per mile, probably overthinking it there, except Dave, but you... Per uh, leg. I like that. Per leg as well. Yeah. Know, yeah. Good. I don't really know, to be honest. Slow glacially yeah. slow you'll start to grow moss on your back and things like that <laughs> um yeah very slow and the water filter we kit the water filter kits we use are called soya um there's a interesting blog about it on our website in the knowledge center yeah um lauren could probably post a link to it or something like that yeah yeah well done dave yeah nice i hope that uh, your question, dave um your question sorry is yeah a lot of good ones there and and, and thanks for prepping and, and copying those in um, yeah, as we're scrolling down then, again, I know we, we're here to talk about waterproofs and things as well, um, you know, and, and we see a lot of them like, um, who was it? I believe, where is he? Um, just looking, I think it was Tony asked about the Lotsi, the mountain equipment Lotsi. That jacket is is actually one of the most famous ones if, you, if you're thinking of waterproofs. Whoever I speak to and they're out in the mountains regularly, sort of 50% of the time they've got one. <laughs> you know, they actually, they, they call them bomb-proof, which, which means pretty much you know, it's able to handle and stay dry. You know, you're talking the perfect storm. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really fantastic jackets. You know, I've, I've never had one, never used it, but I've uh, but I've had similar sort of jackets, um, certain, you know, the same Gore-Tex Pro, um, you know, the same level of, of, of sort of waterproofness, if you like. Um, but with waterproof, if you're going to take one on all of these trips, because I, I don't like to hike in my down jacket. I prefer to hike in my waterproof jacket. Just because it's easier from a perspiration perspective. And Dave, you mentioned earlier about the firewall. It's got the vents on the side. Yeah, yeah. I think if you can get jackets that have got vents, I mean, the RAB firewall um, is one of them. Most of them have it now. And it just gives you an extra option if you want a bit of air. Just let a bit of air and it, um, it really helps. Um, you know, yeah. we've got another jacket here, which is, again, this is probably similar to the Lotsi. 
Um, so yeah, this is the Berghaus Extreme 8000. So again, this is labeled as bomb proof. You can see it's quite noisy, it's quite thick, but no wind is getting through that. And yeah. you know, waterproof wires is, is amazing. Um, but again, they're not they're not cheapest. Uh, you're talking 450 quid for that jacket. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and that's the thing with waterproof, isn't it, Dave? Loads of jackets out there will say they're waterproof. Um, you know, and you might get lucky, but I think yeah, if you're spending under a couple of hundred pounds, you know, you're, you're probably not going to have yeah, going to be that great. I mean, you, you as long as you you know wash them with um, was it Nicky wax you use Nick wax Nick, Nick, yeah the Nick wax stuff. So you've got like the yeah. the Nick wax. I don't know if it's called the Nick wax instant. But there's one you'll wash the jacket in, and yeah, there's wash, in. isn't it? Yeah, so the, and then there's another one you can just kind of like put on the jacket. Yeah. Um, so generally, what what you should do if you're following sort of best practice is if you go out in the rain and you're out all day and dry in rain, you should go back and reproof your jacket afterwards. Um, nobody ever does, but you should do. I've started doing it more often because the more different treks that we're doing, the more I'm getting caught out with rain. Maybe that's a climate change sort of issue. Um, but it does bring me on to something else, which I think someone has mentioned here, John Newman. Um, yeah, I always do pack a pair of waterproof trousers, except yeah, for Achilles yeah. in February. So I forgot to pack them. Um, I had to borrow a pair off the guide. Now, the guides over there are some of the most fit individuals in the planet. Byproduct of that is that they're quite thin and felt. Yeah. And I'm not. So <laughs> they were cozy, were they, right? What's that? They were cozy. Very cozy. Yeah, very cozy. I mean, my stride was about half its normal <laughs> length, so I didn't split them. Um, but yeah, um, bring a pair of waterproof trousers. I always say with yeah. things like that, just if you if you're um in an hour, bring them for the peace of mind. They weigh nothing, they pack down really small, they don't take any space. It's super easy. You know, so like so my trousers don't take any space generally. Like on my duffel bag, I'll just like lay them out flat on my duffel bag, you know, so they're just there. Yeah, they yeah. Take, you know, they don't take up any more space than they are thick. So um, yeah, definitely bring a pair of trousers with you because you might not need them, you know. Probably yeah. on base camp, I've never used them. Um I used an umbrella once. You did use an umbrella. It was um, I never let you live that down. No, but me, I'm telling you, right, this was like me and Andy were coming back on the last day, Namshi to Lukla, and it was like we caught the monsoon, and it yeah, just it was, never it? known any, like, consistent rain like it. It was crazy. Um, yeah. And I, and, and just so I'm putting it out there, I had two waterproof jackets, and I gave them both away to people that, because they didn't have any, and I was like, oh, I'll use mine. Use mine. I'm an experienced hiker. Use mine. And then I didn't have one. And so I got drenched. And then uh, I saw a local uh, Sherpa walking past me. Um, Hello, with like an umbrella. And I was like, well, if it's good enough for the locals, it's good enough for me. So <laughs> I bought the most expensive umbrella in the company. <laughs> I was going to say, you paid a lot for that, didn't you? Yeah. Paul Evans, he asked about Paramo jackets. I know, Dave, you explained in the beginning about Paramo. Uh, perfect for the, for the Everest Base Camp Trek. Just to jump uh, in quickly, James Ashley has said that there is an end of line sale on with Paramo at the moment. Oh, there we go. Yeah, just as you said that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, there we go. Maybe check that out then. Um, definitely. I think uh, Dave, you might you might know this one. Shane Ryan's asked about his, his RST waterproof jacket. Do you know anything about that? But um, yeah, I know RST. 
Um, it depends what type of waterproof jacket it is. Um, you don't see many motorcycle jackets. That's not true, actually. I saw a Bell Staff one, you know, the old school Bell Staff ones. With the yeah, belt. yeah, yeah. I saw someone going for a bit of um, the Levinson Wood sort of look with right. one of them. Um, Maybe it was Levinson Wood. You never yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you could bring it. It's whatever you feel comfortable in and whatever works for you. If you've been out on the motorcycle in driving rain and stuff like that and that's kept you dry and you want to bring that, then bring it. There's no hard and fast rule. One of my big beliefs as well is that like your comfort and like happiness rating on the mountain should never come down to one single piece of clothing yeah so it is about layering and also having options so i'd rather bring something and not use it than yeah. sort of not bring it and then realize later that i, I should have done so um when it comes to like waterproofing and stuff like that layers make things more breathable um and you know, like I said, you can have a poncho for light rain, you can have a jacket, you can have anything you want. Yeah, I think because Mick makes a good point. Like he, um, uh, Mick Hamilton, um, yeah, good to see you, Mick. Uh, good to see you on, mate. Uh, you always join us on the on the lives. Um, but yeah, join us on, on one of our training weekends. I know he's, he's already been to Everest and he's taking on um, Island Peak, um, not in too distant future. Yeah. Um, all, all things going well. And yeah, very important, actually, to get in a jacket. And Dave, this, this sort of joins into what you were saying about layering. Um, you know, you've got to account for that. Don't have like a jacket that's that's too cozy. Yeah. You won't be able to put layers on it and you'll look a bit like the Michelin man. Um, you know, you want to have a little bit of space there so you can put maybe a fleece and obviously a base layer. Yeah. Um, you know, so Mick uh, is, is, is a very good point there. Um, so cheers for bringing that up, Mick. Um, Sital, let's have a look. Sital, you always join in our lives. Great to see you on here again. Um, so use a, both a poncho and a waterproof jacket for EBC. It's um again. I, I mean, when it comes to these, we, we always say take a waterproof jacket, definitely, because you might need it. A poncho is a bonus. Um, it probably doesn't rain nowhere near as much um, on Everest and the Everest Base Camp trek as it does on Killy, certain times of the year. So with a poncho, again, super light. There's no harm in you taking it. Um, yeah. you may need it. You might not. You might get lucky. Um, you know, so it's it's, it's worth bringing if you know if, uh, if 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 you need it. Exactly, yeah. So when, when I say about, you know, taking things, obviously Ramona's made a good point about the um, the weight. So you've got to keep everything under 15 kilos. Yeah. Everything in your day pack and your duffel bag. But I never find that a problem. And I think once you've done base camp once, you at least realize why you might have took too much because you don't need like five pairs of trousers and, you know, six base layers and stuff like that. I've known yeah. people where like bring one of everything. So one base layer for 11 days and sing. But, um, you know, but when it comes to little, little like sort of life hack things that don't weigh yeah. anything like waterproof trousers, they don't take up hardly any space. They don't weigh anything. A poncho doesn't take up any space, doesn't weigh anything. So yeah. you may as well bring those two items and stuff like that. And then, I would start to think about things that then perhaps you don't need, you know. So a lot of people then, oh, how many, you know, I like this fleece, but this one's heavier. So just bring one, you know, you'll make yeah. two. <laughs> and, you know, I've never had a problem staying warm with one fleece, one down jacket. Yeah. And then say probably three base layers, three to four base layers. But again, they're quite light and don't weigh anything. So, um, and I'll probably have two regular ones and then a, and a thermal one. And yeah. then two pairs of trousers, and that's 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 it. That's like that's what I'm going to wear every day. 
you know, a, a lighter pair of trousers and a warmer pair of trousers. And then it's just stuff like beanie hat gloves. So it's quite easy to stay under the 15 kilo limit once yeah. you've got that peace of mind and you know what you're about. So if you want that peace of mind before you go for the first time, drop me a message. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Mark um, jumped in as well just about weather and obviously we're, we're talking about waterproof weather. Yeah. October. Um, you know, great, great time to go. I know we've we trekked probably three times, I think, in October to a base camp um ourselves and i know it's it's always it's fine normally sort of from namche up you, you won't really <coughs> rain up there um but you might get caught down by look like you, you might not uh, you might get lucky um you kind of never know because normally within nepal the monsoon runs from june to uh sort of the end of august but you know they're, they're never on a uh, you know strict <laughs> it, it, there's always a little bit of leeway there like sometimes it comes early sometimes it comes late I and mean, we've known sometimes the monsoon does stretch into october yeah you know it's you, you can't control that um you know so if sometimes it's worth keeping an eye on the weather before you go but if you take any waterproof anyway it's not going to do any harm mark yeah um, i would i definitely take it i mean but i use um my waterproof uh, even if i'm hiking at say 5000 meters just because it keeps the wind off me the sweat because of the Gore-Tex, it kind of wicks it away from you. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, that's just, again, personal preference. I'd say whatever you normally do, whatever you normally hike with in the UK, use that on the base camp trek. Yeah, exactly. Um, it won't go far wrong. The only difference with really trekking in the UK and trekking in Himalaya is that, I suppose there's not really any difference. The only difference is we don't normally trek for 11 days straight in the UK. Yeah, yeah, that's if true. you did go out trekking for 11 days straight anywhere in the UK, you're almost certainly going to get wind, rain, sun. Yeah. It's the same when you go to the Himalaya. It changes a little bit with the altitude. So obviously when you're up by Dingboche, you know, you're going to get snow yeah. instead of rain. But it does, you know, you're going to walk through all four seasons, basically. And that's yeah. true for every destination and in the world. I mean... Having said that, I guarantee every single person that watches this will go to base camp now in October and it'll be boiling hot the entire way. But, you know, <laughs> Malaya, it's very changeable. Yeah, definitely. I've just got a few questions. I think um, Jerome, who, who's been following us for a while now, and Jerome, great to see you, Jerome. Um, pole, pole, exactly. I think you mentioned somewhere about the... Where is it? I'm just going to see if I can bring your comment up, Jerome. Um, let's see if I can find it. I think I have. Yeah, so you mentioned about doing a... because. You know, if you follow the community for a while now, um, back in March, when uh, all the restrictions sort of were happening in Nepal and the UK, um, we did a little fundraiser for our Nepalese staff, you know, which is fantastic. We've, you know, we, we've sent quite a lot of money over there now. I think it was just over $4,200, which has helped the staff. Um, we're looking to get some more. I know the fundraiser is still open. So we're leaving her open for Nepal. Um, yeah, with Kili, and it's a very good question because, you know, we do have a team out in Kili. You think they'd be affected? It's a little bit different. You know, obviously, we want to try and help as many people as we can. Um, the thing is with Nepal compared to Tanzania is that when this did hit, it was sort of smack bang in, in sort of trekking season. So it's had a bit more of an impact on people's lives compared to Tanzania. When it did happen in Tanzania, it was more like downtime. It was down season. So it hasn't impacted the guides as much, um, which is, as you can imagine, we want to help the people first who uh, who kind of needed it um you know especially in nepal where it's self it's, it's all reliant so yeah it's, it's one of those things that we were kind of helping the people first um who really needed it um now especially like um, in kilimanjaro it's open um you know it's starting again and they haven't really lost too much um you know as much as we want to help every single person it's um you know sometimes we, we want to kind of 
focus on 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 the people there. So we're going to keep the one over for Nepal. No plans to do one for Tanzania as of yet. Um, you know, because like I said, they haven't been impacted um, as 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 bad as the other people. You know, so as, you know from what we from our staff who we've been chatting to. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're doing just fine. So um, as much as we want to try and help everyone, we we've got to kind of focus on those at the moment. Yeah. Um, I appreciate Jerome that you're thinking about everyone and. <clears throat> that's why it's great to the community who are thinking about all the staff because they're the they're the people who take us to these wonderful places and we want to look after them you know yeah exactly um, great, great people i mean so the, the and the thing is when um like just a second really what andy was saying about yeah. the seasons and how they got affected we know it's been difficult for everybody so yeah. you know i'm sure that it has been like better than it it could have otherwise been for the guys in tanzania and that is true but yeah. It's, we haven't really, as far as Evertrex perspective, we haven't, we didn't stop any trips from going to Tanzania. So our normal schedule of cycling yeah. through seasons is it well, be, was kind of unaffected. Where the Nepalese, the reason why we specifically did it yeah. for those guys was their season was planned to go ahead. And in the beginning of March, we're still going ahead. And beginning of March is right at the beginning of the peak season, March, April, May, where they get the most people. So yeah. there's a lot of things that happen over there, like a lot of staff are taken on, a lot of staff move from the villages to Kathmandu. Um, and then what happened was that the trekking season was just bang, gone, overnight taken from them. And then their lockdown happened. So people were stuck in Kathmandu who would normally have otherwise been in their local villages and with no money to pay rent or stuff like that. So we wanted to try and avoid any situation where anyone is like has to like move out of their house and potentially you know lose money jobs homes yeah so um but yeah no but i really love the idea that you know it's, it's been really humbling to see everybody because we started this just thinking whatever we got would be great yeah but everybody diving in and helping has been amazing so yeah but um rest assured jerome that you know if uh if the need is there then we will do it yeah exactly um i know we were talking about guides and things like that mark um cheers mark for, for mentioning this i know there's been um, some sort of stuff in the, in the group in the high altitude ever trekkers group um, around that the the visa restrictions are being lifted um, in the pool and that's you know yeah hundred percent um, seems to be fantastic at the moment um, you know it's we always keep an eye on the on the on the travel industry uh, you know as you can imagine um, especially the aviation industry because that's the the important one really um, the pool are going to be open for the autumn um, no dramas with that um, we're kind of you know, so everything's going ahead as planned. Um, you know, we're just hoping that with regards to the, the flights and things like that, that, um, you know, you're able to catch those flights to get out there. You know, it might mean some sort of um, a quarantine, not in Nepal, but in, in the UK upon return. So it's something yeah. you need to kind of think of. Um, but yeah, 100% Mark, uh, you know, with regards to visas, um, it's now you're now able to apply for them again because they're, they're starting to open back up. Um, you know, we're kind of hoping, it's kind of strange because, I know here we're speaking to all the UK and we get a lot of customers from the States now as well. So I know a few of you might be watching from the States um, or might be getting up nice and early now because it's probably only like seven, eight yeah. o'clock. Um, you know, but with regards to the UK, I know the lockdown restrictions are going in England. It's, it's really good. I mean, I know you guys can go pretty much anywhere you want. In Wales, it's only five miles, so we can't really go too far. It's still quite strange, really, because we're chatting to family who live in England and they're driving all about and they're going, you know, like someone's like, come down to Falmouth. Because I was like, I'd love to, but we're not allowed. Yeah. Um, you know, because we, we obviously want to see the family. But, um, you know, we're hoping as soon as Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, we all kind of get back to some sort of normality, that we're able to travel again. Because, uh, you know, we all want to travel. So, 
yeah, um, you know, again, Mark, um, thanks for bringing that up. Exactly. And, and about the visa restriction, the travel restrictions over there till the 5th of July, that's yeah. really easy for Nepal to do. The key date is um, end of August, beginning of September. That's yeah. when the trekking season um, and tourist season really starts in Nepal. So they're probably seeing it as just free, you know, an easy time to, you know, keep everyone in isolation and restrict travel yeah. to kind of limit the impact that COVID's going to have, if any. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll be back up and running by September. So um, yeah, yeah and, guys, loving the passion. Um, yeah, and you know, the, with regards to the money that you guys have sent over, you know, we just want to be incredibly thankful. Um, you know, it is important to know that you know when you're over in Nepal, something like fifty dollars could feed an entire family for a month over there. You know, yeah. so, um, it, it, so every time you know a few of you donate, even a few pounds, it, it all adds up to a huge difference when we send it over to the other side. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think Tina. Oh, Jackets. I yeah, I know, I know. It's always, it's always the same, isn't it? Well, look, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. it's a very loose. It's a very loose. So we started off talking, and it's like I, I love it. It just carries on and go. Who knows where we'll end up? I know it's it's funny, isn't it? It's um, looking at, but I know that this crops up almost every single week. Is about weight, um, you know, baggage, weight, things like that. Um, I know Tina, you mentioned it, which I've just brought it up there, and I believe uh, Claire as well. I bring Claire's up because I know she asked the. The question specifically there is that if it's 15 kg for your duffel bag and your, um, you know, your, your kind of carry on, or is it combined? And it is combined, uh, Claire. So it's 15 kgs. So that's your duffel bag and your bag. So we always yeah. say that where, and I think a few, um, I think Debbie um, has mentioned as well, wear your heavy stuff, wear your heavy boots, wear your heavy jacket, carry your water, don't put it in your bag. Um, don't want to be doing that. You're giving away kilos there. Um, you know, even where if you take the camera, put it around your neck, you know um because you'll get away with it because they, they obviously try to manage it and if you're a few kilos over we've had people sometimes like mid-20s 25 kilos because they want to bring some equipment i've taken a lot as well um you know because i sometimes carry the laptop which is a couple of kilos it all adds up but yeah just sometimes they can be a little bit strict um you know i'd say 75 percent of the time they don't care but that 25 percent the time that they'll take your bag off and they'll leave it in Kathmandu. Yeah is the time, you know, is the frustrating one. So, you know, we, we try and minimise that. And plus, you want to be a little bit fair towards the porters. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously carrying these. So to have it a little bit around 15 kgs is manageable. Saying that, some of these guys have carried 80, 90 kilos. I've seen people carrying a fridge on their back. Yeah. Um, you know, they are really strong. But, you know, we're, we're, we're passionate about making sure that our porters are well looked after. Um, and we don't want to give them too much to carry um you know because they are they are uh looking after us and making exactly, sure it's yeah. so, easy as possible for us that's why i always say try and keep it to 15 you know yeah. it can be done with 15 trust me it definitely can yeah um you know i've done every space camp four five four or five uh times four, five. And, and is it four I can't I think four times, yeah. Yeah, four times. Uh, and either way, and every time it's every time it's easy to it, it's easy to get it in four in fifteen kilos. You know, yeah. Um, it's just you've got to be, you know, you you don't have. Yeah, it's difficult the first time because you're second guessing what you need because you don't know. But you don't need, you know, five fleeces, ten hats, you know, and yeah. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of snacks. You know, you can get snacks in Lukla, you can get snacks snacks in Namshi and stuff like that, you know, so you don't have to take all that stuff with you. You can kind of get some of it out there as you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Although uh, I think um, Lauren's put packing 10 kgs of Cadbury's chocolate. Wow. That is um, that is a lot of chocolate. But Dave, I know we like to take our treats, don't we? Yeah, yeah. 10 kilos of Cadbury's might be a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. That is a lot. That might be a bit hardcore. Um, but yeah, no, it, it depends how much. I mean, I usually bring a couple um, Cadbury's fruit and nut bar. Love a fruit and nut bar. Yeah, good source of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, glad to see a lot of you are going to have a look at Paramo. If there is a sale on at the moment, like um, I think it was James who said it was, yeah, it's going to be a great time to get some really good kit from those guys because um, I love their jackets. They're really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's some cool questions as well. I've, uh, I've, I've tried to bring them up, but I know we're trying to catch them. But Chris Clifford um, asked, uh, sorry, Clifford Hurst asked when, uh, when training for a walk like base camp, is it better for short, steep climbs or getting the miles in? Um, yeah, a bit of both, a bit of both. I think important is not to sort of worry, am I doing exactly the right amount? It's just to get out, um, you know, pack on your back, just put some miles in. Um, you know, even I, I'd say the best thing is just to get out maybe three or four times a month if you can. Appreciate, you know, if you're working, um, you know, but it, even if it's just twice a month, just put some miles in the legs. Um, steep climbs are going to be fine because you're building up the strength. Um, so it's certainly not going to harm you. Maybe, you know, if you if you put a couple of climbs in, you know, say like a seven or eight hour trek. Yeah. Try and try and do that in one day. And then the next day, try and go again, because the best thing and the thing that well, the, the thing that surprises most people is the multi day aspect of a long trek, because you it's rare that you do that in the UK unless, you know, unless you've got a bit of spare time and you'll do it. So maybe do a Saturday and a Sunday consecutive um, just so you're used to it, used to the feeling. Yeah. Um, Definitely. I hope that answers your question, Chris. Yeah. Miko has asked, uh, going off track a bit. That's what we yeah. do. That's what we do. Um, <laughs> we've on, mentioned yeah. Aconcagua a few times now. Any idea when you are going to be launching? Um, so, first of all, just to clarify, we are 100% doing Aconcagua. It's, yeah. it's there. Um, there's just a couple of little things we need to tick off. I mean, yes. if we were going to send out some, you know, half-baked trip and book people on, we could. But it's not the Evertrack way, you know. We got to put little things together, like the guides, and um, by guides I mean like the downloadable guide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah with the we, we've already got the human guides. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff we want to put together just to make things um, an Evertrack trip, you know. So with regards to all the the preparation, experience, and knowledge and stuff that we can impart to you from the moment yeah. you book in, that is all being sort of written at the moment. I mean, it's basically done. We just got to kind of put it all together but um yeah. i would say with we got a busy period coming up because we got the kilimanjaro competition i imagine it'll be some point after that so maybe in a what do you reckon two weeks to a month something like that yeah definitely i mean we you know we, we, we could miko i think if you've been following the community for a while um you know we we try and space things out as much as we can and as dave said we want to make sure that uh you know everything's ever trackified if we're if we're labeling it you know just to make sure it's all up to standard um it's, it's a great trip we're really excited to launch it and you know sometimes we could launch every trip at the same time but we, we we're kind of making sure that we we do it the right the right way um so yeah great to see that you're you're in there mate and yeah keep reminding us we it's not far away i think dave you said yeah within a month i think it'd be before that uh, yeah. you know it'll be available there i was um, being to us yeah <laughs> What's that? As I was being kind to us, making it easy. I know, giving us a bit more. <laughs> and if they get it in two weeks, they're well happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, J uh, Jerome just asked with regards to Aconcagua. Yes, it's in South America and Argentina. 
Um, it's the highest mountain outside of the Himalayas. So almost uh, you're pretty much touching just under 7,000 meters. So it's a, it's a toughie. Um, it's a real tough peak, but more than achievable. Um, you know, if you put the right training in, um, you know, and the right preparation, you'll be you'll be able to do it. Um, we're definitely going to take it on. I think if you've ever done Kili, um, you know, base camp, any of those sort of high altitude treks and you wanted to kind of step it up a gear, then, um, you know, Aconcagua could be could be the next one. So, yeah, we'll definitely keep you guys in the loop around that. Um, you'll definitely need waterproofs um, if you go to Aconcagua because um, basically we, we kind of changed the itinerary a little bit. So to give you a little bit of a heads up, if you like, it's not just Aconcagua. We've actually got three other peaks we're climbing in the 21 day trip yeah um just to acclimatize because like any trip we do we we sort of hike high so we'll sort of hike say to four thousand meters and then we'll sleep down at say three thousand six so it's part of the, the the sort of altitude profile to make sure that you acclimatize properly and part of our knack on kagua is to climb some other peaks so yeah. yeah we're quite excited about that um because it's kind of like a new thing yeah um, to sort of do that sort of stuff so yeah we'll definitely keep you um keep you in the loop exactly. Dave, I know you've been speaking to Wayne. Hey, Wayne, thanks for joining us. You um, you found us eventually. I know you sent a message in saying, "Where's the live?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so no, um, great, yeah. So basically, Wayne's in the he's deep, deep into the process of kit uh, acquisition, yes. um, which is an amazing time to be a part. I'm excited for you, Wayne. I'm excited for you. <laughs> you know, like uh, <laughs> it's um, yeah. But um, yeah, he's asked uh, being vegan is it going to be an issue? Wise on EBC, um, no shouldn't be an issue at all. Uh, we've had quite a few vegans over the years go out to Everest Base Camp now. Yeah. First thing to note is that you are going to be on a at least a vegetarian diet for the entire time anyway, at least from, sorry, when you land in Lukla back to Lukla. Um, so no meat or anything like that. That's for just to avoid any, remove the risk of like potential stomach upsets and things like that. Now, yeah, there's a lot of the food that's all pro provided for you, mostly if you choose like, things that require like vegetables and stuff like that. It's all local. Yeah. Um, they do stuff like, you know, pizzas and stuff like that, which which aren't quite as fresh. But, you know, if you choose dalbat, you can have like vegetable dalbat, which is just dal, lentil dal, rice and curried veg, um, yeah. which essentially is vegan. Basically, just you make make your guide aware, you know, so they can just keep anything out of them, um, you know, any or, or be mindful of cross-contamination. But um, I definitely know that we've had quite a lot of vegans on there that have always reported back that they they didn't struggle with difficulties um, getting food. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, we, we, we've definitely catered for, for anyone. We've had people who um, I think were celiacs as well. Um, we've had people with some serious disabilities that we've catered for. I think it's, it's always um, worth sort of double checking as well that you can bring some stuff out there um you know that, that if, if you normally like to use you know some snacks or things we have seen people bring their own um obviously we, we cater for you on on the trips um you know wherever you come with us yeah um, but as long as you give us a heads up um you know when you arrive and before you have your briefing on all of our trips um that's kind of discussed like in nepal you have a nuge um or one of the ground staff who'll go through the briefing with you at the hotel um and he you know we, you, you can discuss that yeah um, just so the guys uh, so the guides know um, before we, we kind of start cooking um, your food. Yeah. Um, but right, right, what are we going on? We're keeping loads of questions coming. It's great, though. It's kind of weird. When we started doing this, Dave, um, we had to almost coax questions out of people. 
yeah. now this is just like getting machine gunned with questions. Well, it's it's, someone mentioned earlier, 50,000 people watch these, no pressure. <laughs> I know, yes. Yeah, it's a bit mad. Think about it. <laughs> it's best not to think about it. You know, um, I, I honestly don't. I, I mean, yeah, wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Who'd have thought? Who's the, it was um, a great, uh, Graham Gordon. I'm going to bring this in because uh, Ben McDewey, as soon as lockdown lifts, I'd love to go up there. I did... Um, was it back in the end of November during, it was like winter conditions up there. Um, it was about four foot of snow in Laragru, which I know is uh, is not a million miles away from Ben McDewey. I believe actually you go through um, go through Laragru, it was on the on the right. Um, but yeah, 100%, can't wait to get back out in the mountains, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Um, it's been too long. James uh, Ashley has asked, uh, is it James Ashley? Yes. Uh, how about main Alpha? Lord James, if you want. Yeah, yeah. I love how he puts that on his uh, social yeah. media. Um, <laughs> Mount Elbrus. Um, watch this space, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. At some point, we will be doing it. Um, yeah. Again, like I said, we don't. We could just sort of scatterbomb effect and you know pr produce these trips in a very very quick way. Um, but we're not. We'd rather take our time, find the right sort of team put it together and release it. So Aconcagua, but me and Andy have talked quite a lot about Elbrus and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. it's close on the radar might be next, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's a lot of different, I mean, basically if you're aware of a cool mountain to climb on any continent, we're probably already aware and have a future idea on setting it up. Mount Elbrus is definitely one of those because, um, you know, we, we, we love the idea of the uh, the seven summits, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to be doing, I mean, in the future, um, I know we, we obviously, Everest is, is kind of our thing. It was our, one of our, it was our first ever big pro uh, product, if you like, that we offered our trip, um, you know, going back a few years. And um, yeah, Everest, won't be long, we'll be doing Everest summits. Um, that's the long and short of it. We're yeah. um, going to be running expeditions there because we've got a great team in Nepal who've already run um, expeditions to the summit, successful summits. So yeah, um, you know, if there's a big mountain out there, we wanna we wanna, you know, take people up there. Um, you know, as ever, we, there's lots of other places to go. Um, but you know, Everest is is on the agenda as well as all the other seven summits, including Mount Elbrus. It's yeah. um, not that far away. Andy, can, more... you, can you do me a huge favour, mate? Yes. Can you put Ramona out of her misery and tell her how old your house is? <laughs> um, Ramona, <laughs> I know. Uh... It's actually an old, quite an old uh, old cottage. It's uh, 1870 um so it's an old welsh cottage uh yeah it's quite i thought you were pointing to the door when i yeah. got the packet hanging up yeah it's uh it's quite an old little little house we got here but uh yeah yeah maybe one day you can pop over as a pub actually two doors down so uh, not open yet but more than welcome to come it's um yeah it's a cracking little place uh uh paul was it where's, where's paul let's have a little look paul meacher because paul you, you you've joined us on a few lives haven't you you've been um you know, thanks for joining us. I think I spoke again. Uh, and you've asked about Kathmandu. Well, we've, you know, we've used over the years. We've used a few different ones. The main ones we used are Hotel Manang and Hotel Mashangdi. There are two core hotels for all of our customers. Um, due to the spring, um, there were a few things that we're, we're potentially looking at changing um, because of, you know, the, the improvements, if you like. I think, Dave, I know you've been working with Anuj quite hard on potentially looking at changing these for the autumn. Yeah, so we're going to use, I think, essentially three hotels. Yeah. And with a, and I'm trying to push an emphasis on one hotel. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't want to tell you it's going to be this one because it's amazing. Because you might have Hotel Manang, Hotel Mashangdi. I think Lauren, she's already done it. <laughs> we'll uh, put up a post about those. So they're the two main ones that we use. Yeah. They're really nice kind of boutique, um, about three-star hotels. Um, they've got a little bit of history in the area. They're quite well-known in Tamil. A lot of mountain expeditions and trekking expeditions are launched from there. Yeah. Um, that's where I've stayed every time I've gone there. Now, we've also, there's a brand new hotel, um, a five-star hotel called Hotel Aloft, A-L-O-F-T. Um, and we're going to try and use that one because when we were in March and people were trapped there in lockdown, we moved them from Manang or Mashangdi over to Aloft lot, yeah. because it's got a lot more facilities. It's got a pool, a gym, you know, pool table, you know, and, and yeah. it's really, really nice, proper five-star modern hotel. Um which a lot of people before they go, they want the rough it, they want the local, they want all this. After the trek, you'd be amazed how many people want a five-star luxury hotel. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah. um yeah, so there's lots of stuff like that. Also, the food in Manang and Mashangdi, um yeah, loft, I can say that it's really good. And one of the things I love about um both those hotels is they're pretty much next door on the same road. Um sometimes we'll have one group in one, one group in another. Yeah. And there's always like a little patio area in Mashangdi, or you can go onto the roof in Manang and just sit there with an Everest beer, watch the sun go down on Kathmandu. Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Andy, I'm off, mate, if that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do this. We're still stuck in Wales. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Brian, um, who's on here as well, uh, he was. He reached Everest Base Camp with us back in March uh, and got stuck in Kathmandu for two weeks. Oh, yeah, he's one of the ones. Right, he was at a loft. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a great place yeah we um we always we're always looking to improve every every single aspect of our trip um you know the last few years we made some significant changes um we've always been really happy with our hotels that we use um we've always had great feedback but again if a new hotel comes along and um we get some awesome feedback uh, like the guys um who were in lockdown because manang um you know it was a little bit of shut then open shut that open it was a bit of communication issues with them we tried something else and you know what um we, we, we tried a loft and it was awesome uh, we had some great feedback so because of that feedback um and we're always happy to get that um we're, we're potentially looking at having them in there but those are the three main ones um paul i know you asked um you know so yeah i hope that answers your question awesome um got some more here as well i think chris because uh, chris collins he's uh always always drops in thanks chris for joining us waterproof's likely to be needed november december Good question. Um, likely, I've trekked uh, to base camp in uh, sort of mid-November. Uh, it is colder because you're sort of getting into winter. It very rarely rains at that time of year uh, because of the, the temperature does drop um, significantly. Um, you know, it is sometimes winter conditions, especially as you go into December. So, you know, I'd still take it because I do use... Um, you know, I do use my waterproof while I'm hiking. Uh, even if it doesn't rain, I still wear it just because it keeps the wind off. Um, so take it anyway um, with your waterproof, Chris. I'd, I'd definitely take it. Um, you recommend over gaiters. With gaiters, we we rarely use them. I'd say 99% of the time you won't need them. But if you're doing something like a high pass, you know, you've got over Gokyo Valley, Kongmela, Renjola, yeah. Island Peak. You know, you, if you're going to be trekking through some snow, then gaiters come in yeah. handy. I'd be you know, like to to the crap out of your boots. Yeah, I'd be <laughs> to say that ankle gaiters might just be good enough just to keep the rocks and 
yeah. Lower rate right of the shoes. Um, Chris Collins has asked, how much ballpark does it cost to summit Everest? Ballpark figure between thirty thousand to one hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they really I would say anything less than leading up to around forty-five grand, you're probably going with a budget outfit. So chances of coming back down with all your fingers, toes, and soul intact, um, not so great. 45, 50 grand onwards, then you're, you know, you're probably going to come back with fingers, toes, and a live brain. Yeah. When we start doing the, the summit, it's not going to be the, it's not going to be the cheapest out there. And no. You know, we wouldn't do that because we want we want quality at the end of the day. Um, you know, so we're going to run small teams, but it will be the slightly higher end um, price wise. Well, um, when you look at it, there's a direct correlation between how much money you spend on a trip and how many sort of um, when you're talking about Everest Summit, how many yeah. people they've lost. You know, so when you look at a 30 grand summit bid or 30, 40 grand summit bid, you're going to be looking at very basic base camp conditions, very yeah. poor nutrition um you know you're not going to have a huge team lower oxygen supplies which means less oxygen less oxygen sent to your body per liter per minute yeah. um when you go with a more expensive outfit all that money does get spent you know no one is getting pocket in the money it goes on extra base camp facilities you know some of them have like you know warm underbeds you know you're off the ground you're a proper bed you're proper nutrition proper food proper oxygen proper training proper medics proper doctors all of that stuff. Yeah. So if you are thinking about anything like that, spend the money. Mortgage the house or something and spend the money. No, definitely you have to. It's um Phil uh, has got a good one as well. While we're talking about the hotels, um, yeah, we should have sort of explained it a little bit. But yeah, um if you're arriving early, if you're going late, um then then sort of what you're booking on to, hundred percent. Just let us know. Um when you upload your flight information into the members area we'll see that data yeah so we'll know then if you're arriving early or arriving late that we'll book those extra nights for you yeah um so just to make it easy as possible we don't want you checking out the hotel and going in to another hotel you may as well keep it all centralized um especially if we're moving to somewhere like a loft um i'm sure you'll really like that one yeah exactly uh, it's, it's as andy said super easy to do yeah um, don't worry about airport transfers don't worry about hotel accommodation just tell me when you're arriving and when you're leaving yeah. Someone will be there to pick you up. Someone will be there to take you back. Any extra nights you have, you just pay the hotel directly on a discounted Evertracker rate like yeah. you normally would. Um, so, yeah, if you have three extra nights, probably on the first or second day, someone will come up to you and say, hey, how's it going, Phil? Let's talk about the extra nights. <laughs> and then you pay the guy yeah. and that's it. Mm, easy. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's great. Um, I know we've we've covered a lot. I think Jerome asked one we haven't answered yet. Jerome, always come up with some great questions. I'm trying to find yours. There we are. Got it. Um, you ask about, um, so you've done the, um, I, I, I have a feeling you've done the Lamosha route, haven't you? Um, just guessing with your picture. Uh, but yeah, you are doing the the Chola Pass, um, Gokyo Lakes. So Lamosha is, it, I'd say, other than one of the days, which, you know, the summit day, um, relatively okay. Yeah, is on Kili, um, on Kilimanjaro. Uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, I'd say Chola Pass is, you know, it's very remote. Um, it's probably a bit colder than, than the Lamosha route, definitely. Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's any less steep than the summit of Kili. If not, I think Kili is, is is very similar. So when you're going over Chola Pass, 
you'll probably be going at you know one miles an hour you know you're hardly walking up there because you want to take your time because of the altitude um in terms of difficulty it's always hard when we we talk about comparing one trip to the other because Killy and uh, doing a, a long trek like uh, the Gokyo Lakes and, and Everest Base Camp, uh, they're completely different types of trips, um, you know, in terms of what they are. So I would say the difficulty level, um, they're, they're probably very similar, just at different types of trips. Would you agree, Dave, or would you? Yeah, I too. So it's very, it's it's the first question that anyone that who's done one and is looking to do the other, yeah, asks, yeah. how do you directly compare the two? I would say, you know, on Kilimanjaro, the two hardest days, summit day and lava tower. Yeah. Um, probably two pretty difficult days. Chola is, it is tough. It is hard. You do go up to a very high altitude. Um, so it's going to be somewhere in between, probably not quite, it's not as brutal or as long as summit night, but in terms of difficulty, probably along those lines, you know, when you're like probably about the second half of summit night, you know, when you get in high in altitude and stuff like that. So, yeah, but to be honest, if you've already reached the summit of Kilimanjaro, I don't think you've got too much to worry about. Um, I always tell people, don't focus on like how difficult it is because it's all a matter of, there's so many variables, like how fit the person is, how well the yeah. person's adjusted to altitude, which of course is different every time you go. So it's a very subjective answer. Personally, I would say if you've already gone to the summit of Kilimanjaro, then Chola Pass um, is going to be completely achievable for you and you should concentrate on enjoying it um, and having an awesome time. But yeah, I would want to know too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, a couple more as well. Kirsty, you mentioned about uh, anything else to do um, after finishing getting to Everest Base Camp or Annapurna, wherever you're going. Yeah, absolutely. There's some um, Nepal is a fantastic place. There's you could spend probably the next 20 years going to Nepal if you wanted. Um, you know, and, and there's still have more to do. Um, but the kind of big the big things that are out there to do after uh, a trek. You're looking at um, you've got Chitwan National Park which is down near the sort of Indian border. Um, if you're looking for, to get into sort of, um, you know, wildlife, um, it's definitely a great place for safari. We do it as an add-on. Um, you've, we've also got, um, there's a lovely little vi- uh, little village called Pokhara, um, which is towards the Annapurna region. It's a great, beautiful place. Uh, we've been there before. We've got a great little place there. Um, you know, plenty of places to relax after a hard trek. Um, obviously, there's plenty of trekking. There's plenty of places to visit, but... Yeah, in terms of um, you know additional stuff, those are the two really that we kind of um, we kind of recommend around Kathmandu as well. You could spend a bit of time there if you wanted. You've got Kathmandu Valley. Um, there's some sort of old cities um, quite near there that you could go for say an hour or two, and, and you know you could be yes, it's a million miles away from Kathmandu. Uh, you know, with regards to the traffic and things. But. Exactly. Yeah, there's a really nice resort. Oh, do you know, I cannot remember the name of it, but it's about hour and 45 minute drive from the hope from tamil um when i was last in october yeah um you basically go really high to the really really hot to about two and a half thousand meters i think it is and yeah. there's a hotel there that just like overlooks and the mountain range i'll see if i can find out what the name of it is but um is it is it back to poor or i'm not entirely sure it is i'll find out i'll find out and i'll put it in a comment but if anyone's here and remembers next Tuesday, ask me and I will know the answer by then. Yeah. I could find it now by messaging Anoush, but um well he's probably busy. This has been his birthday, so we, we can leave him to it. <laughs> um Ramona as well asked about why the new Yeti. Yeah, why? Why why are we asking getting new Yetis? Um now we're growing our team. We've um 
we have actually got a uh, project manager who's going to be joining us in um, sort of roughly beginning of August. So quite excited. And then we've got another um, Yeti who will be joining us. Um, we're, we're open um, to the end of the month. Uh, we've had over, we've had a few hundred now, I think, applications. So we've had a lot of people who have applied um, for that position. And it's great to see so many people interested in working, you know, joining the team. Um, you know, we can't wait to get back to the office. I know we're, some of us still working remotely at the moment. Um, Dave is is in the office, so we're slightly jealous, but, um, you know, it won't be long, we'll be back. Um, you know, certainly, like, uh, obviously, we've got a seven-year-old, so, um, you know, when, when things get back to normal with regards to school, it'd be great to get back in the office, but uh, until then, um, you know, literally only a day or two in the office, unfortunately. But, yeah, looking forward to um, welcoming in two new Yetis. So, before, um, so by August, yeah, we'll have two more people on, on the team. Yeah. So quite excited um, about that um especially with you dave helping out with the new trips it's going to be it's going to be uh very interesting yeah no yeah it's going to be marvelous um yeah. yeah i'm lucky you know that it's going to come in at the right time i think you know because i've noticed that the the job of preparing all the trips and everything like that every year is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> so having a new yeti to come on board and um help yeah. out with things like that would be wicked um the question exactly. is what their yeti name is going to be well that's the big thing is that's the important thing is it's, it's all about the name really you know yeah. um didn't have to think too hard about yours uh you know luckily well yeah we've been on for over an hour now but wow it's always it's mad isn't it you think an hour we, we spent only five minutes on waterproofs yeah but, uh, that's always the same dave isn't it yeah exactly waterproofs you do need them they can yeah. be as cheap or as expensive as you like the level of waterproofness proofedness goes up with the money you spend <laughs> um check out paramo 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 and gore-tex and if you need any advice just drop us a message because i'll be more than happy to ha have a chat with you about it yeah exactly um any, like, like dave said any jacket that you're, you're looking at if you need um you know if you're looking at a particular jacket and, and you think well you know if you want to ask us um there's a couple of things you can email email us uh, info at evertrek.co.uk or post in the group as well the high altitude uh, evertrekkers um, you know, there's a lot of experience there. You've got almost 3,000 people now. Lots of them who've already been on trips with us. Some people who are going. Some people who are just into the trekking. Probably like us, just passionate about about the outdoors and love equipment. So post in there if you if you want a recommendation. Um, you know, all ask us, and we'll say, yeah, looks good. Um, but you won't go far far too wrong. Spending a couple of hundred pound on a jacket. Um, you know, like look at the waterproofness of it. Yeah, whether it's Gore-Tex, Paramo, like Dave said. Yeah. Um, you know, make sure it fits right. Um, you know, once you get back to the shops, you can go in and potentially try some on. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you do need them on the trips. Um, the important piece of equipment. Uh, we always say to plan for for four seasons. So part of that is having a decent waterproof. Um, so you you in case if it does rain, you know you're still relatively dry. Yeah. Exactly. Um, other than that, though, yeah, a couple of things. So obviously, if you're following us, I'm wearing a bit of Kilimanjaro on today um yeah if you are keen to jump in on the competition we're running the competition at the moment definitely get yourself in uh, we've had so many people who have entered so far it's absolutely unbelievable uh almost double what we had the previous competitions we've done yeah um you know i could see why kilimanjaro is an amazing place and if you want a chance for yourself and a friend get yourself in um i'll get the the social yeti lauren to put the uh, the competition uh, link so if you're not in i know a lot of you already are because uh, you're, you're regulars of ours but definitely get yourself in. Um, you know, we'll be drawing that on the 30th of June. 
Um, so looking forward to, to doing that. And yeah, we'll be back sort of next week with something a little bit different. But uh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, no worries, mate. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I wonder what we'll talk about next week. I know, exactly. In the interim, um, we are uh, the Mount Malarkey podcast. I know we, we released an episode last week. Uh, we'll be putting these on the podcast on, on the podcast as, as, as episodes. Yeah. Uh, it'll be like a separate series, if you like. Um, but they'll be there if you want to just listen to us rather than just ramble. Exactly. <laughs> YouTube as well. Um, yes. We're going to roll with track flicks. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. We have to be careful saying that. But yeah, yeah, you're right. But uh, yeah. Nah, yeah. Yeah. Cheers, Dave. And uh, great to see you all. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. All the best, guys. Bye. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mount Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.